I bought this jumper when I was in America and it says we owe the world an encounter and I was sharing with our leaders on Tuesday night we had a meeting and, and just prayed together and the presence of God was was just really thick in the room and um, I shared about how um, we I was on a plane ride home one time from the States I was 21 and God had called me and I, I'd given up a a significant opportunity to go and, and um, uh, play soccer over in Belgium or France. I had a couple of trials lined up and I was on the plane ride home and uh, the Lord began to, or he spoke to me, he said, I want you to go home to Australia. And at first I was like, is there anyone else up there that's got anything to say? Um, and so I prayed, so I prayed and fasted for a month and, um, and I, uh, I knew it was the Lord and so I came home, and on the plane ride home, I grabbed my Bible. It wasn't this one, but I had a Bible. And I was like, God, I want everything in this book to become real. It can't just be a good theory. It has to be a reality. It's not just a good study. It has to be real. And I was, I was like, I was bartering with God. I was like, if I'm doing this, God... I'm like, you, everything in this book has to come alive. I said, I want to see the sick healed, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. I want to see the dead raise up. I want to see demons cast out of people. I want to see this thing become real. And I said, because it's not just a, this isn't just a book. This is a person. This is about a person called Jesus. And John 5 says that you search the scriptures because you think in them it, they, they have eternal life, but these testify about me. These lead to a person that we get to know. His name's Jesus, Holy Spirit, God. And so that started this journey for me about, um, about this pursuit of the more of the Lord. And, and, and so I came home 2008 and uh, I had this encounter with the Lord, which I've shared before, a five-hour encounter. I woke up, I was changed. And the next thing that came out after that was I had this thought pop into my head was what if Jesus when he said greater works will you do that he actually meant it what if it wasn't just like a nice Christian phrase that we throw around and he was like I actually meant what I said and so I was like okay well he told us to heal the sick, so maybe I should just try and do that. And so I was like, okay, let's just, you know, I know I jokingly say this, but if you want to heal the sick, you actually have to pray for sick people. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like, all right, let's just go find some sick people. So I went down to the local Maroondah hospital and stood out the front of the ER. <laughs> I got kicked out. And, um, and I was like, all right, let's just go to Eastland. So we went to Eastland and we started praying for sick people. And we started, um, I think I prayed, I remember I, the first person, I was so nervous, I'm like shaking, you know. And I, was, I remember the first person I ever approached was an, uh, a Satanist. And he was on crutches and I'm like, hey, bro, can I pray for you? And he's like, don't touch me, I'm a Satanist. And I'm like, oh, awesome, praise God. <laughs> Here we go. And then the next person I prayed for was a Christian who didn't believe in healing. And I was like, man, give me the Satanist. Like, <laughs> you're annoying me. You know, and so anyway, that was, that was my response back then. But, and so those were the first two people I ever prayed for. 
And we just went out. I took out, I was a youth pastor at the time, and we just would take kids out. I'm like, all right, come out on the streets. Let's just, let's just pray for people. Because I wanted to see this book become real. And Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and cleanse lepers. Mark 16 says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so I was like, okay. And, and there'd been this theology around, well, I'm not Jesus, and um, oh, no, I'm not. But all of a sudden, the scriptures started to illuminate to me that Jesus was our example that we can follow. He's not the exception to the rule. So everything that he did was show and tell or tell and show. So he would show someone, he would pray for someone, he would say, pick up your mat and walk. And then he would say, all right, now you go and do the same. Or he would demonstrate how to love people and love them well. And he'd say, now you go and do the same. And so he would, or he would tell them a parable, he would tell them a story, and then you go, okay, now I'm going to, he's in, in, I think it's in, in Matthew 8 or Mark 8, he says, so that you know the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins, I say, pick up your mat and walk. So you know I have the ability to forgive sins, Jesus. Pick up your mat and take it home with you. And then he said, go and teach everyone what I've taught you. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, go and teach them everything that I've taught you. Well, what did he teach the disciples to do? He didn't teach them to have great church services. He, teach them, he taught them how to host the Spirit of God. I reckon I prayed for a thousand people. Maybe more. And then one day, Shen and I were in this meeting. We, this guy had a broken leg. We prayed for his ankle to be healed, and he was completely healed. I felt the bones move underneath my hand. I felt power come out of my hand, and he jumped off a step about that size and landed on the floor and started running around the church service. But I was like, okay, it happened in church. Now I want to see it happen outside. And we've seen incredible stuff take place. And it's not just about healing, but I'm using this to demonstrate something. We owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Hold on. I've got a couple of notes that I scribbled down just before. Philippians 2.6 says this. Because, here's the deal. If Jesus did what he did as, a, as God then we don't have an example to follow. But if he did what he did as man, then we have an example to follow. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't the son of God, but he did what he did as a man. If you don't believe me, it's in your Bible. It says that, um, have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Did you see it? So Jesus emptied himself, became the lowest form of humanity to illustrate, demonstrate what one man in right relationship with God can accomplish. 
So he emptied himself. The Bible even says that Jesus grew in favor and stature with God. How do you grow in favor with yourself if you're God? Acts 10.38 says that Jesus of Nazareth went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. So he healed the sick because God was with him, not because he was God. Do you see it? I'm not saying he wasn't God, don't throw some. <laughs> but he emptied himself. All right, go to 1 John 2, 1 John 2. Are you alive? Okay. God is perf perfected by this. By this we may know that we are in him. Uh, verse 6, sorry. 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's, that's in every area. In purity, in holiness, in righteousness, in power, in everything. What did Jesus say before he left Jerusalem? You will receive power. Power is not so we can go, well, look at me, I've got power and you don't. Power is to, to rid this world of, its, of darkness. John 14, he says, greater works will you do. Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach and teach them everything that I taught you. John 1, here, 1 John 2, here he says, you are to walk in the same manner in which Jesus walked. We owe this world an encounter with God. And I believe that for so long the church has taught that, um, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I'd encourage you, this is kind of part two. I talked a little bit about the sovereignty of God and the, and the goodness of God. And it's like the world has taught that, well, our experience, I, I'd pray, I've prayed for thousands and thousands and thousands of people and I haven't seen the breakthrough. But I don't have the right to let that circumstance dictate truth. Jesus dictates truth, not my circumstance. Right? And so I now go, okay, I've seen this and it's not, something's not shifting. So God, show me who I am and show me who you are. So the next time I pray for someone or the next time someone encounters me, they don't get Liam, they get Jesus. Because every time Jesus showed up, something changed. He ruined the meeting. He ruined every funeral he went to, even his own. He, he just, things would change. Even when he's not even consciously thinking about something, he's walking through a crowd and someone touches the hem of his garment and the woman with the issue of blood is completely healed after 12 years of a woman with, with, with problems. Man, that blows my mind. Even so, so Peter, Peter, somehow, Peter, Acts 2 happens, and I love Peter. You know, Peter just, Peter just cops a lot of flack, but I love Peter. And, um, and so Peter, you know, he's seen this. He's walked with Jesus. Peter walked on water. I mean, what? That's just crazy. Jesus like, come here out of the boat. 
and he walks on water. And then he denies him three times around a campfire. Yeah, you remember this story? where Jesus says, you're going to deny me. It's around a campfire. And then Jesus dies and he resurrects and he comes to them on the shore and he says, uh, Peter calls them in and I love the story. It's, I think it's in John 21 and he says, it says that Peter was stripped for work and then he put on his outer garment and jumped in the water. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a funny picture to me. That's like, you're actually naked because that's what it meant. It meant you're stripped for work. He was probably in just a little loincloth or something. And then he puts on his jacket and jumps in the water. That's unusual. <laughs> we don't usually put on our coats and jump in the water. But here he's like, it's Jesus. I'm jumping in. It says he walks up to him and Jesus, it says he was cooking fish by a fire. And he says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? How many times did Jesus deny Christ? Three. How many times did Jesus restore him? God, that's the, that's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of the Father. He restores us back to our, our the original, um, you know, standard. And so, I love it even with the where he spits on the woman with you know with mud. In that day and age, you know the blind the blind man, and he spit. And they said, "Who sinned?" John nine says, "Who sinned? This man or his parents?" And Jesus says, neither, I'm going to watch what the will of God's going to do right now. And he spits on mud and it rub, he rubs it in the man's eye. Why did he do that? Because in that day and age, if you were blind, it was either you've sinned or your parents. That was what they thought. And so that's the reason why you're blind. And so, um, and they would spit at you and they would throw mud at you. Oh man, I love this. So Jesus uses the very thing that people try to curse this man with. He uses the very thing to show him you're clean. Oh, man. It's so good, right? So he, he does that. And then Acts 3, same thing. Peter, uh, so Peter gets restored. Acts 2, the Spirit of God, he says, Wait in Jerusalem, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me to, what? Isaiah 61, preach the gospel. Preach to the poor, give recovery of sight to the blind, release prisoners, set the captives free, bring the favorable year of our Lord. That's Luke 4 or Isaiah 61. So listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to release prisoners, set captives free. What's a prisoner? A prisoner is someone that's done the wrong thing and they're in jail. What's a captive? Someone that's in battle and they've been taken hostage. So Jesus comes to release those that were doing the wrong thing, sin, and they've been set free. And he comes to those that were actually fighting the right fight, but he's going to release them anyway. And then the Spirit of God comes and Peter quotes Joel 2 and there's no mention of tongues in Joel 2. But the Spirit gets poured out and there's tongue, 120 people in the upper room. And they're praying in other languages. And it looks strange from the outside and people are like, man, these guys must be drunk. And uh, Peter's like, no, 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 we're not drunk as you suppose. This is Joel 2. <clears throat> 
This is what Jesus prophesied and promised. You know, when the Tower of, of um, Babel was made and it scattered them and they all spoke in different languages and they couldn't understand. In Acts 2, they all spoke in different languages and they all heard and were in one accord. It's a restoration of what took place. He's now bringing people back. And so <clears throat> here Peter quotes it and he says, this is that, this is Jesus. This is the Spirit of God that's going to come and rest on every person now from this day forth. Whoever believes in him will have the Spirit of God come upon them. He's, Bill Johnson says, he's in us for our sake. He's upon me for yours. This is in me for my own personal walk with the Lord, my own quiet time, my own intimacy. But he's upon me for other people. So the next chapter in chapter 3, which is maybe only a few days later, says that Peter and James were on their way to the temple, or Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and they see a beggar who's begging for money. And Peter says, we don't have money, but what we do have, we give to you. Pick up your mat and walk. Be healed. What we have, I'll give it away. If Jesus is God, then it's like, well, we can't do that. And I'm like, and people have said, Liam, I can't heal the sick. I'm like, yeah, I know. I get it. It's not faith in you. It's faith in a person. His name's Jesus. It's faith in him and what he can do and he can accomplish. And he is, we don't pray in Jesus' name as a cute little saying at the end of a prayer to make it official. If, if, if the police walked in here and they said, hey, we're going to shut down this meeting right now because we have the authority by the council and by the local police to do that, they have that authority to do that. If that's what the authority says. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I've got the keys back, boys. Here they are. I've got the keys back, team. Here they are. I want to give you the keys of the kingdom. I want to give them to you because he doesn't want to just do things for us. He wants to do things through us and with us. All right. So Jesus, a man, is doing these miracles. A teacher says, how can this teacher who does these miracles, how can this be? And then he says to you, hey, I'm the light of the world. Now you're the light of the world. Hey, I've been doing these miraculous things. Now I want you to go and do them. A few chapters later in Acts, Peter, this guy Peter, this same guy, he's, he's walking He's walking whatever walk he was in the morning of the day, in the cool of the day. And it says that they started to bring people who were sick so that his shadow might cross over them. I don't, this, this ruins me. This like wrecks, it's like we owe the world. Like how possessed with Jesus can you be? A good friend of mine um, he, who some of you know, Ben Fitzgerald, he got to meet Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke just died. He got to meet Reinhard Bonnke. Does everyone know who Reinhard Bonnke is? Does anyone not know who Reinhard Bonnke is? Maybe a little bit. He led 76 million people to the Lord in Africa. That's quite a few. 
But Ben would tell me, Ben told me this, he said, when you sit with Reinhardt and you talk for maybe five to ten minutes about something other than Jesus, Reinhardt would start to weep and he would go, anyway, that's good about that. Let's talk about the Lord. <laughs> and he, because he's German, right? Was that a good accent? I did that all right? That was all right, wasn't it? Let's talk about the Lord. He'd bring it back to Jesus. He was possessed. It's like all he wanted to do was talk about Jesus. All he wanted to do was he just was in love with Jesus. Oh, man. He's here. So I was on this plane. I know this is like I put this, this message together in my head like a day ago. Um, but I really believe the Lord is inviting us in as a church, as a community, to have an abandoned yes on our heart. And this is what the Lord spoke to me on the plane when I got home and, and I was on the plane and I was just, I was like, Lord, Lord, I want this, I want this. And, um, and he said, Liam, I'm looking for a generation that I can be myself around. He's a person, he's not a formula. He's not like an A plus B is this. It's, it's, he's a person that when we're encountering people out there in the world, that we owe them an encounter with Jesus. We owe them a touch of heaven. We owe them not just an inoculation from the real thing. We owe them the full Jesus. You know, you give people a little bit of something, it's an inoculation. Let's give them the full dose. We owe them, we owe it to them. We have the resurrected Christ dwelling in our mortal body. We have the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead living inside of us. He lives in you. He lives in us. We owe him to get out. We owe the world to be a river that flows. He said, the spirit of God, John seven thirty seven. it's a spirit that's inside you that flows like a river. So how do you live? How do we live with an awareness of his spirit upon us every single day of our life? How do we live where we're like, man, my shadow can release the presence and the power of God. And I really believe that he's looking for people that will host him well, that will host his presence in a way that it's like, hey, Jesus, you have full access to every part of my heart. You have full access to every part of, of my life. You have full, you, I give you my work. I give you my family. I give you my friends. I give you my play. I give you my, every area of my life is yours. You can do with it what you want to do with it. He's looking for a generation that'll, that'll say an abandoned yes in their heart to say, I'll pay any price to see you manifest on planet Earth. Excuse me. You know, Jesus, uh, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha was cooking in the kitchen and Jesus was like, Mary's chosen the right thing. I wonder how often we're doing things for God that he's really just not breathing on. 
because it's religious activity. It's not actually a relationship. Just a thought. <laughs> I wonder how often we're like, oh, but God, I'm doing this, 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 this. And he's like, yeah, actually, I just want you to sit at my feet and get to know me. I don't know how to word this. Give me a second. I remember, um, I think it was Yongi Cho, he came to America. And he did a tour of America for nine months. Yongi Cho was a, a South Korean, uh, he's a South Korean uh, minister. Planted over a thousand churches and... Um, or maybe more than 100,000 churches, something crazy. Anyway, and um, he, he toured America for nine months, and at the end of it, he said, they said, oh, what did you learn? What did you learn? What did you, what did you glean from our great American churches? And he said, oh, I'm baffled. I'm just amazed. And they said, why? And he says, at what people can do without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And I don't really know any other way to do this. If you know any other way, please, like, give me this revelation. But there's something about an abandoned yes, and there's something about hunger and pursuit of his spirit that says we're all in for this. Now, listen to this. The favor of the Lord looked like Mary pregnant. To the outside world, that looks like sin. Like, okay, picture it. Some girl comes up to you today, 16, and says, Hey, God came to me in a dream. I'm now pregnant. We'd put them away in a mental institution. <laughs> Favor of God. Mary, for the rest of her life, Mary, this is Mary, Jesus' mother, and this is a different Mary, but Mary, for the rest of her life, has to be known as the one who bore the illegitimate God-child. Isaac wrestled with... Uh, sorry, Jacob wrestled with an angel, and he walked the rest of his life with a limp. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to walk the rest of your life with a limp. But what co at what price are we willing to look stupid out there? At what price are we willing to say, God, just do whatever you want to do in my life? And I'm telling you, church, the benefits will far outweigh the cost. But I feel, felt the Lord today, I felt for us specifically that he was actually inviting us, he was inviting us in to say, hey, Glorious City, I want to do something here. I want to pour out my spirit in a way that um, would mark us, that would mark each and every one of us in a way that says, hey, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in. I've used this analogy before and I'll, I'll finish with this, but... Um, 
you know those who who loves moving house no one loves moving house Even more, if you don't love moving house, is when your mate says, hey, buddy, chair, pal, <laughs> I'm moving house next weekend. Um, what do you reckon? <laughs> Which means it's code for give me your muscles for nine hours, help me move furniture through awkward doors and under different things and into trailers and hanging out the roof with your arm on the mattress and... At the end of it, I'll bless you with a can of Coke and a pizza, right? That's, that's the Lord, isn't it? That's, that's what it is. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, there's a phrase, in the, a passage in the Bible that says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I'd always pondered that verse. I'm like, what does that mean, many are called, but few are chosen? I'm like, what? I'm like, God, I don't want to just be called. I want to be chosen, God. I want to be, I want to like you to pick me, you know? And um, anyway, so then I was pondering this as I was, a mate of mine was asking us to move. It, he was asking, they were moving house years ago. And, um, and he'd messaged, group message, you know, it comes up in iMessage, like the group message. And I'd realized he'd group messaged maybe 10 people and only three had said yes. And, um, and he goes, all right, then, well, I choose you three. All ten were invited, but it's like, hey, there was a response in, your, in their heart of, yeah, I'm all in for this. And, well, then, okay, I choose you. It wasn't like the others weren't called. It was just, there was a different response. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about salvation, Right. And I really feel like the Lord is, is actually inviting us to say, hey, I want to just abandon this idea of control. I want to abandon this idea. I, wanna, I want the favor of God. Everyone wants the favor of God. Everyone wants the blessing of the Lord. We all want that. And we have that. He wants to do that. But he wants, he wants a relationship. He wants to sit, us to sit at his feet, get to know him in such a way that the presence of God wherever you go starts to shift and that when people see you that you walk into a, a shop or you walk in a school or you walk into a coffee store or you walk into Coles and someone's like you're different what is it we were on outreach on with Kim and Kim and uh, Brooke and Maddie was there and I was driving there and I hadn't done organized outreach for a, a while actually I do it I try and do it in my natural way of life. And I, I had this block in my ear, left ear. And I, I said, oh, I really feel like there's going to be someone here with a blockage in their left ear. And, um, and I walked up to the, we walked up to these security guards at the Holy Moly um, place at Eastland now. There's mini golf there and dark zone and escape rooms. Pretty cool. And, um, and so we were there, and, and uh, I said to this guy, whose name was Muhammad, I said, hey, what, um, do you, by any chance, do you have problem in your left ear? And he's like, yeah, I do. So it's been bothering me in the mornings. So we, I just got to pray with him and bless him, and I said, hey, tomorrow morning, check your, check your ear. And we shared a little bit of the gospel with him and told him to look up Todd White. And, you know, just, just I said, listen to this guy's testimony, and... Anyway, we just got to share with him and, just, and, le and we just left it at that and we went on to, you know, something else. But 
the point is, are we, are we aware of the Spirit of God upon us? I could have, we could have easily just gone, oh, it's great to, thanks for, you know, and catch you later. And that's it. But, and I, I don't, I, I, don't, I usually like to come up with my own analogies, but I, I can't do this better than this. So I'm going to steal Bill Johnson's um, because it's the best. But imagine this $5 note is the Spirit of God, right? And, and this is my point is because Jesus wants, is in you and he wants to get out. He wants to get out. He wants us to be, we, you might be the only Bible that someone reads, and this is my one point, is all of that in what I've said for the last half an hour, is, is that we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. And that's it. That we owe them that. We owe them an encounter. And even when we don't see, we pray and we're like, I didn't see the breakthrough. It's like, yeah, go again. You'll pray again. You know, people often, we joke about it, but people often are like, oh, well, let's pray. It's like, oh, what? It came to that, did it? You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like, oh, when all else fails, pray. It's not like, no, pray, and if it fails, pray again. And if it, it says, bind what is bound in heaven and loose what is loosed in heaven. And I really believe the Lord's inviting us in to some people to get provoked about this, to some people to get absolutely stirred up about the kingdom and to see his kingdom advance and to take what is in heaven and loose it on earth and to take what is not meant to be there and bind it on earth. Because... If, if we're the light of the world, if he says you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill, and we're not doing anything about it, then something else is ruling and reigning in life. And it's not the church. It's not the light of the world. And it should well be. Because we're sent here to know him and make him known. That's what we're here for. We have fun. I'm all for fun. I'm all for having a life. I'm all for having life and abundantly. But the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And what if we had all the keys and all authority and we get to heaven and one day it's like, oh, I actually didn't realize how much power and authority I had. All I needed to do was believe it and become aware of it. So if a dove, you know the story, Jesus comes up out of the water and the spirit of God comes down and it says it comes and lands on him in the form of a dove. You know that story? What if a dove landed on your shoulder? Picture this as a dove. It's worth more than $5. How would you walk around the room? This is not my analogy. This is Bill Johnson's. But you would walk around every step with the thought of the dove in mind. You're thinking about the dove. You're thinking about the dove. Right? What if we lived life that way? Every thought with the Spirit of God in mind. Because who's the dove? He's the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. That we live, every thought, every room we enter is with the dove in mind. And I've watched this. With people that we're, li- we're living from heaven towards earth. And I've watched people where they live from earth towards heaven. And I believe the Lord is actually saying, I'm inviting you in to shift your mindset to live from heaven towards earth. 
to live from a heavenly perspective. Jesus slept in the boat. When he woke up, he calmed the storm. He wasn't even consciously thinking about someone. Someone pulls on the hem of his garment. They get healed. Peter's shadow healed people. They changed cities. They changed regions. They changed nations. Why? Because the Spirit of God was there. No other reason. The Spirit of God was there. And I don't want to be the Yongi Cho that goes around Australia. And that says, man, look at if we... This is what I was trying to frame in my mind before. If we don't have the Spirit of God, we'll look for activity to do to fill in the gap. That maybe he didn't order. That's the Martha. Wasn't bad. They're not bad things. They're not bad things. But I'm sad to say there are so many... um, we've gotten to this place in church in Christianity where we would rather keep ourselves busy with programs and activities than encountering his presence and I don't want that I want him I want him I want this thing to become real alright why don't you stand